Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 481, I think, closing in on uh, the 500 soon enough. Uh, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, um, quick, a few quick things. One is we're going to put in a very f- brief four-minute, five-minute podcast this Friday. And what it is, it's a, a promo video that our friend Sean Boyle put together for us. And uh, it's just for those of you who are coming, we're hoping that it will kind of increase the enthusiasm. Promo video for the conference. For the conference. Yeah. Um, for those of you who are on the edge teetering, maybe it'll help you uh, come to the conference. But if not, just give you an understanding of uh, the types of people that show up, the feel that it is. So hopefully you enjoy it. So this, I don't know, sometime this week, uh, you'll get a quick four or five minute podcast. Who you said the feel that it is. Did I? I don't know. The uh, feel that it has. Right, exactly. It is and has. Um, so on today's show, we, oh, I'm going to do my quick takes before. Before we do the do you, quick takes have anything to do with yesterday? Um, the Oscars? Yeah. Um, it can. Are you still hurting from Glenn Close yeah, not winning? Yeah. Was that your biggest disappointment of the night? I just it made me feel pain in my body. Not because I necessarily like. You know, originally I kind of wanted Lady Gaga to win, and then when I realized she probably wasn't going to win mm-hmm. because Glenn Close was going to win, and then we watched The Wife, and I was like, okay. That was really good. And then you look at Glenn Close's body of work Mm -hmm. and you're like, she's the most nominated actress who has never won. And so it's like, okay, good. Tonight, Glenn Close, you know, she wore a gold dress. She's ready. She's ready. It's the last award of the night. And it really hurt my body. I couldn't look. I couldn't look. And I know everybody who's like, no, but the woman who won is so good. I'm sure she's amazing. And we would love to find out how her speech went, but we didn't quite... We had to mute it. Because I couldn't handle it. I get, my body is pained. And you know what? My body was a little worked over already because I went to see Dear Evan Hansen yesterday with my children. And I think I cried 87 times. Oh my gosh. It's so moving. So between the two of us, we cried 87 times yesterday. (laughs) So average, that's about 43 and a half per person. Oh, we were tired. The girls and I got in the car afterwards because they, you know, they cried a little bit, but you know... Not quite as intensely as I did, but even holding your emotion can be intense. And we were they were exhausted. I yeah. obviously had to drive home, but they all fell asleep in the car. Did they really? Yes. Oh, wow. It was so good and it was so well done. And it's the obviously it's in Chicago, so it's not the the New York cast, but I I mean I've seen a lot of shows that have gone, you know, that it's the original cast mm-hmm. and then it's the touring cast, and you can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. I could not tell the difference. Like, Well, this, you didn't see the New York cast, though, sweetie. You're right. But what I mean is I haven't always seen the New York Broadway cast either. Right, but either. you can tell. But you can tell. You can be, you, because I always have the soundtracks of these musicals, you're kind of like, oh. Sweetie, it's the B-teamers. Right. And this did not feel B-teamy. Yeah. I mean, they were so good. And this kid who is Evan Hansen is so good. And Todd, I mean, I know you don't like musicals and we're not going to drag you to things, but it's a boy's I, story. Yeah, I might like this one. It's a boy's story. And it's so much about emotion and intensity and feeling like you don't belong. And this is my last thing I'll say about it. Everybody in that show, for those of you who know the musical, who know the soundtrack, who know the story, you know, what, what the girls and I talked about before they passed out in the car was everybody in that story thought they were alone. Mm-hmm. Nobody felt like they belonged. Every and, and I'm talking the parents too. Yeah. Everybody felt like an outcast. Like no one understood them. And literally every single person and they all they they all thought they were alone. Yeah. And here they are all alone together. And then once they had a crisis that occurs and they all come together maybe not for the right reasons yeah. initially, but then they realize they all have this this sense of belonging when they act, when they get together. Mm. I mean, I, I, I don't want to give away anything, but it's such a story for our time and it's all focused on social media. Interesting. So it, there's all this like Twitter feed going on the whole time on the stage and oh, wow. stuff and like YouTube. And so it, for my Current, children, yeah. for my children, it's their story. Mm. You know, I'm just kind of an observer of their So anyway, if you guys, and you don't have to see the show to love the soundtrack. The soundtrack is not Broadway-ish at all. It's very current. Mm. So. Maybe I'll see it, sweetie. 
maybe it's only here for a little bit of time well, in Chicago. I'll put that on my list of things to do. <laughs> on top of going away for a week for work. Yes. Um, real quick, sweetie, did you know that Zen Parenting Radio Podcast is now an Alexa skill? No, I don't know what that means. Um, you know how sometimes you tell Alexa to like, um, you know, dim your lights or turn your lights off or it's tied into the security system. I like, put our grocery list on Alexa. Is oh, that it? Yeah. So like this is kind of like that. So um, in the show notes, you're going to be able to click on a link. If you have an Alexa at home, um, you can click on a link and it will bring you to our Zen Parenting Radio podcast skill webpage and all you do is enable it and then you can tell alexa hey alexa start playing zen parenting radio podcast hey alexa start playing zen parenting radio podcast number 401 or whatever or so you have to enable it you can't just do it yes you have to enable it so you have to click on the link in the show notes okay cool but i started messing with it's kind of cool yeah there's a whole bunch of things were on new like um the alexa thing i don't quite understand but i'll figure it out but the spotify Mm -hmm. and um, we're trying to increase our reach. Well, and we thought, I thought we were on all these things before, but now they're getting selective. Yeah. Like you have to have somewhat of a presence. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, Spotify, but what's the other one? There am, um, I feel like there was I heart radio. Yes. Yeah. I heart radio too. Yeah. So anyway, thanks Brad. Yeah. Brad, our, our friend slash website slash podcasting extraordinaire coach. Slash good person. Um, so I took care of that. And then I'm going to mention some of our partners later on the podcast, but let's sure. jump in. So last week we had a Zen talk, which is something we do twice a month with our team Zen members. And there's a woman who wrote in a question and basically she has a sixth grader. Uh-huh. I think he was 11 years old uh-huh. and um, she's from Ireland. Uh-huh. And in Ireland, you, after sixth grade, then you choose your next school. Mm-hmm. So it's not like here after eighth grade, it's after sixth grade and they go for another like eight or 10 years or something like that. Uh, eight or 10? Seven. Uh, seven more okay. years yes. until they're 18. Yes. So it's kind of a big decision. And this young man and his parents have a choice between school A or school B. Uh, the young man wants school A, which is where all his friends go. Uh, the parents want school B, which has better class sizes or... A little diff- smaller environment, smaller calmer environment. Right. And they just think it's academically probably a better fit fit for their son. So it got... So we kind of processed through it on the Zen Talk, but then you and I started talking about it even the next day. Mm-hmm. And it created some interesting conversation between... Uh, you and I. So just to kind of like take you back. So originally we thought that our team Zen member was saying, what do we do? But, um, you Meaning know, they were asking us, um, how, which how do we help should us this, decide? Yeah. yeah. When in fact she was actually saying, no, this kid's going to the school that we want, but how do we present this to him? Should we, you know, give him a little bit more control and how to, acclimate himself to the school or should we just drop the hammer and say this is where you're going Mm -hmm. so hopefully we helped out a little bit but um but it just got you and i thinking about you know what's best for our kids and how do we communicate with our kids in these really difficult um conversations and um i feel like let me say this one thing and then i'll let you jump in sure um it would be easy to it's easier for me to have this discussion if the examples are black and white. And what I mean by that is it sounds like their school A is pretty good, but not as good according to the parents as school B. But let's just say that school A was awful. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's 45 kids to a classroom and they have, the reputation is awful and everything else. Then the decision's obvious. Then the decision is obvious. So of course there's times when, you know, even if your kid wants to go to school A, there's no way we're going to let the kid go to school A because the school A is so awful. Right. The tricky part is as if we use an example where school A isn't awful, it's just, you know. It's different. It's a little different and maybe it doesn't have the um, recognition that the other school has. That's when our parenting chops need to take place. Like how do we process through that decision? Because it's not like the kid's 15. He's in sixth grade. He's 12 12 years old. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I wanted to open up this discussion. Yeah. So when the question was first posed, I did not, as Todd said, he, Todd read it to me, but I didn't hear it the way I should have. And I thought that there was a decision to be made. um, And I, 
basically said, because they said our son definitely wants to go to school where his friends go to school. And they said that school is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Like Todd said, this wasn't a how do you know, it wasn't good school, bad school. And our kid wants to go to the bad school. It was two pretty good schools. One might be better suited for his personality. It's where we want him to be. And then there's the school that he wants to go to. So the first thing I said, just to kind of put all this out there, was that when I was in uh, middle school, my mom was a teacher at a middle school across town. And it was a newer middle school. Um, It was a, you know, I don't know if class sizes were different. I don't know what was going on, but my mom was a teacher there. And so she said, I'm going to have you come to this middle school with me and you, you know, I'll drive you every day and it'll be a better fit for you, better education for you, better experience for you. Sixth, seventh, eighth? Sixth, seventh, and eighth. Okay. And I was like, no. I mean, I wasn't like... Well, I'll think about it. I was like, absolutely no not. And the reason was, and and I, you know, I'll give my mom a ton of uh, kudos for this, is my friends were at the other school and I had grown up with them. I had gone all through, you know, elementary school. They were my neighbors, you know, old school 80s, right? Rode my bike to their house all the time, could, you know, ride my bike to school. I was like, no way am I going to the other school across town. I am, I live on this side of town and this is where I want to be. Now it came up. I remember I have little flashes of being in her bedroom. Um, you know, while she was getting ready for work and having it come up again and again. It wasn't just one talk, but I was so sure. And I was like, no. Were any of your friends going to the school your mom wanted you to go to? Well, friends is a strong word. I knew some of those kids. I had done maybe preschool with a few of them or, you know, there were family friends, you know, but no. I mean, like, I did not know them. I knew of them, mm-hmm. um, but they were not like my good friends. So basically, you'd be kind of like a new kid, whereas because if you went to the school your mom wanted you to go to, all those kids would have known each other. Of course. And then there's you. And it was a different, there was a different socioeconomic thing. Um, I lived on uh, the side of town, the the south side of town. And, and you know, and again, it's all relative. It was, it was a smaller town, but it wasn't as wealthy on my side of town, right? So sure. we kind of had a certain way of being, you know, like you kind of get comfort in where you are. Sweetie, and, you were the greasers and the other side were the <laughs> socials. Yes. So the other side of town was a little more wealthy and that was kind of what they were known for. And so I kind of wasn't super comfortable with that either. Mm-hmm. Um, there were just some things. I just knew where I belonged. I, at the t- and so there was a few things that our team's end member said in her letter that brought me back to my own childhood, which she said, you know, our son is 12 years old. He really doesn't know what he wants. Mm-hmm. And I had a very triggering reaction because at 12, I was very clear about what I wanted. And I'm not saying I had all the information. I absolutely didn't. You know, um, I wasn't in charge of making decisions for my family. You know, it wasn't that kind of thing. But I was very clear that what was making my emotional and social well-being possible was my relationship with my friends and being at a school that felt like mine. Yeah. That was very important to me. Now, that was my experience. And I'm saying that, you know, just putting that sentence out there because we all base decision-making off of our own experience. Right. And so once Todd said to me, well, Kathy, I don't think you heard the question right She's not asking which school he should go to. They've already made a decision. He's going to this smaller school. They want help to figure out how to tell him this is where he's going to be. Or, you know, one was like, should we just tell him or should we make him think that he has, and, you know, I'm probably not doing it justice, but. Like ease him in by by making him feel like he's got a choice. Right. Right. And you and I were like, I, you know, just kind of. Yeah. If you're making the decision, make the decision. Make don't, the decision. don't try to hope that he comes around your way. Because really what what um, our team's end member was trying to do is like, hopefully if he kind of comes around on his own, then it'll be less impact impactful to my husband and I. Right. Because it won't be us dropping the hammer. And we're just like, dude, it can go the wrong way really fast. Correct. And that doesn't mean she said, well, we've, you know, we've organized a a walk through in the school, yeah, school and he's going to meet another kid. Do all that. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying don't even bother. Do all the things to help him get adjusted, but to pretend that we're like, that there's some choice out there when there really isn't a mm-hmm. choice feels not in its highest, you know, like you're, you're kind of pretending so you don't have to take the, the the brunt of that decision. Well, and this is like one of those things where there is no black and white. No. Like the, the one side of the argument is 
I'm the parent. I know best. This school's better. You're going. And the other is uh, you are going to let your uh, 11 or 12-year-old decide the next eight years of his academic career without any regard to some of the things that you know as an adult. Right. That's not what, that's not a good idea either. So right. the answer is always somewhere in between. And what's funny is one, my, my aunt, Kathy's aunt, is on Team Zen. And she thought I thought that she had a really good suggestion, which was... Hey, dude, you're going to the school. Let's try it out for a year. Right. And if it's awful, you're going to the you other. You can one. go to the other school. Right. Um, now, I don't know if our Team Zen member was into that suggestion, but I thought it was a wonderful idea. Well, and it's kind of the language we've Todd and I have done a lot of shows about what we call release valves um, with our children. What we talk to our kids about is that. Um, there's always like a release, meaning say you decide to go to a dance or you decide to go to an overnight or you decide to go to a party. Then we always say to our kids, you don't have to stay, right. like go take the leap, you know, take the jump, take the risk. But if it turns out to be horrible, you can always text us, call us, whatever. And it's the same thing with like, you know, go out for choir, go mm. try something. But if you're like miserable and it's causing you to feel depression and fear, there's always a way that we can, you know, nothing's set in stone. Right. And I know that we like to believe things are set in stone because we have been taught that if a kid starts something, if they don't finish, then they're, we're, te we're teaching them they're quitters. Mm -hmm. And if we don't, you know, if, you know, we might make someone upset or, you know, we don't, we don't just start something, we finish something. And while there is a lot of, um, integrity in that, like, mm -hmm. I, and again, this is not black and white either. There's also the, this is, and this is really, I'm going to get to the core of what Todd and I talked about. You have to be clear about what your grounding element is in regards to your parenting. This is where all of, and I'm saying grounding element, like it visualizes something like under the dirt, like the seed of parenting, because that's where everything sprouts from, right. you know, like it really is where all the decision-making comes from. If you, if your decision, and, and what I know for Todd and I, even though we don't always act from this seed, because sometimes we get lost in the, in the branches, you know, mm -hmm. like with the, with the outside influences. But the thing that's most important is to us is what is in the best interest of this, this child's social, emotional well-being. Yeah. Because what I know, this is not just based on feel good, you know, that feels right to me. What we know research wise, mm -hmm. and I will point you to, uh, I could point you to a bunch of books, but I'll just talk about Sean Acor's research in regards to happiness. All of his books, the research that he found at Harvard that got repeated and repeated and repeated is what makes a person successful in life. That word, you know, we could even pull that word apart, but is there their belief in themselves that they are worthy, that they belong, um, that they have a sense of value, and that, you know, all of those things that they believe in themselves, yeah. that they don't feel disconnected from others. Yeah. Okay. Brene Brown did the same research, you know. So if you know that, if what you're trying to instill in your child is that sense of that they matter, they belong, they have a voice, they're seen, because if you believe that, you can do anything. Sure. I mean, let's get real. Like if you really like, oh, I have skills and I can do things, it's not about being better than other people. Let me be clear. Being better than other people is like an off the chart self-esteem thing where you think the only way you have values if you beat other people. That's right. not, that's not self. It's not a zero sum game. No, exactly. This is a sense of, I know everybody else is special and important. And I also know my value. The pie is big enough for everybody. Exactly. We're all in this together. If you believe that you can do anything, you can go from one job to the next, you can climb the ladder, you can be a manager, you can start your own business, be an entrepreneur, you can have healthy relationships. This is true success to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. To me personally, it's not a, this pathway that our society or our town or our state has laid out for us that calls something success, which is you go through this school, then you go through this school, then you get in this college, and then you graduate, and then you get th that whole path. I And again, I can say from my own experience as a clinician working with parents and teens, I see teens go through that path, they get into college, and then they have a nervous breakdown yeah. because they've never, ever focused on their social emotional well-being. Yeah. They have no sense of belonging, they have a high level of anxiety and they can't handle college or 
they get out of college, they start a job, and then they come home and live because they have a breakdown, because they have no awareness of their social emotional well-being. Or right now, a lot of my clients, I'm talking with their children, many of them girls, who are like 14, 15, who are having anxiety issues that are so off the charts. So my point is, is our children can't do things in life if their anxiety is so off the charts that they can't do things. Right. Do you see what I mean? I do. So the path then becomes ridiculous because you're like, I'm trying to shove you through this path, but your well-being is at risk. So again, let me just say this again so Todd can then make his points. Our our seed where we're trying to have everything grow from is what is in the best interest of this child's social and emotional well-being while also having some boundaries around, of course, you have to go to school. Of course, you have to work when you get old enough. You know, those boundaries are there. But first and foremost, connection, belonging, sense of worth. So when you said what you just said, what is in the best interest of the kid, right? which we I think we all can agree on. We want to do what's best for our kid. Right. And the way to arrive at that decision, and this is something that you and I talked about on Saturday, is from what place are you making that decision? And I'll, and I'll use an example. I have a buddy of mine from high school, and uh, his kid was entering high school, and he had a choice between the public high school or the private high school. And I'm like, okay, what's, you know, what's the pluses and minuses? And he's like, well, we, I really want him to go to the public high school. And I said, well, why don't you just do that? He's like, well, my parents really want him to get this Jesuit high school education. And it's really important for to them my parents. Yeah. to be able to do that. And I'm just like, dude, why are you letting, and I didn't say this to him, but in my mind, I'm like, why are you letting your parents dictate it shouldn't even be about your parents or you it should be about the kid so the decision was based upon baggage that he hasn't yet resolved in his own relationship with his kids with his uh, I'm sorry in his own relationship with his own parents he's still letting them make the decision for their grandson and I'm like and that's just one example but like you need to have a clear mind when you're making these really important decisions like school is a really big decision and if you are doing it from a place of lack or wanting fear. fear, then then you got work to do. So as long as these decisions that are being made, because most decisions really don't matter that much. Mm-hmm. Like we inflate most day-to-day right. parenting decisions. Right. But this happens to be one of those that are, you know, it is kind of a big deal. And it's like not the end of the world. Let's say that our team's in person sends uh, his her son to the one school. You know, you could always... Go to the other one. Always go to the other one. Well, and that's kind of, I would like to say um, that I think sometimes, I like what you just said, how sometimes we inflate choices Mm. when really there is a little more movement within the choice. It can be difficult, meaning it can be a pain in the butt to backtrack. Like right now, I think uh, one of my daughters who had decided at the beginning of the year what she wanted to do next year at middle school has changed her mind. Now I have to figure out who to call. Like it's a pain, um, but it's also not impossible. And I think sometimes we get so hyped up, Mm -hmm. amped up about if this decision isn't made correctly, then they're going to be miserable. And, you know, one thing that I keep a lot of other people's stories in my mind, and it doesn't mean we have to do what other people do. Let me be clear. It's not about that I'm going to do what this person did, but they sometimes their stories ease my mind. And one, of, I, there's a few that I can say, but one of them is Rob Bell was one of our speakers at the conference a couple of years ago, and he's just a really neat guy, and um, he's got three children, and one of his sons... Um, I think one of his kids kind of went through the school process pretty typically, you mm-hmm. know, just went through the path. And then his one of his sons was going through and did not like school, mm-hmm. like did not like the options that were available to him. But he loved his guitar mm-hmm. and he was really good at it, like was in a good band in L.A. And, and if I remember correctly, Todd, correct me if I'm wrong, but the story that Rob told at our conference was that he let his son not be in, in that school anymore and like play in his band and do some online school yeah. and completely had a different, um, like his son was miserable and right. he's like, okay, what makes you happy playing this guitar, whatever. And he, and he still was like, you have to go to school, meaning we have to figure out a way for you to get your education, but you don't have to do it the way your brother did it. Right. And we can figure out a way that makes you be a healthy, happy kid. Right. No, that's exactly the story. And, you know, there's always a way. Right. And we tend to be like, well, it's got to be this or that. There's all these other smaller decisions that can be made 
in anything. And I, I, and you know, if you get nothing else from this podcast, it's like, get creative with a solution. Yeah. Like, you know, that when Peggy said, well, how about he tries out one school one year and see how he likes it? Like that didn't even occur to me. Yeah. So you need to come at it from a mindset of creativity and curiosity. Yeah. And like, how are we going to make this decision together as opposed to you are doing the sun because this is what's best for you. And if you don't, then you'll learn that you can get away with things yes. and you'll learn that. See, that's the messages in our head that can really, you know, I have a girlfriend who was struggling with something with her daughter and her daughter was really kind of, uh, and I'll say, I'll use how, I'm not sure what you word to use. She was being not treated great by some adults. Mm -hmm. Let me just say that, that I, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say it was an abusive situation, but there was some adults where there was some unfairness and this girl was not being treated fairly. And so my friend was like, should I take her out of this situation? I'm not sure I should. Cause won't that teach her that she can quit? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, but I want my kids to know that if people are not treating them appropriately or if they're in a situation where something is inherently unfair, yeah. that there should be some alarm bells going off and that we should be saying this is not – it's not about someone saying you have to work nine to five. Oh, no, I want to work nine to four. That's not what I'm talking about. And again – I want to I want to say this because we can get really lost in this. I'm going to use this language again, this false dichotomy that Todd talked about where things are black and white. Either you do it or you don't. Either it's right or it's wrong. There is so much gray in there and teaching our kids to leave a situation that is harming them is not teaching them to be quitters mm -hmm. because we what we end up raising then are children like I'll just talk about you know, people that, uh, you know, I work with or I talk to men and women who go through their lives, who go into relationships where people treat them poorly and they're like, well, I don't want to quit. Yeah. Or they go into a job where they're abused or they're, you know, they're treated poorly and they're like, yeah, but you got to stick it out. And I'm like, okay, the social emotional well-being has not been nurtured because we have this belief that we can be treated like crap and that we, that saying no to it is somehow... Um, demonstrates that we're quitting. Well, and I, if I can drill down to the very basics of what it is that we're talking about, when in doubt, move towards connection with your son or your daughter. Yeah. Because... And with yourself. And with yourself. Because I feel like the world is going to give us enough lessons. Yes. I feel like sometimes we as parents are like, so like, no, I got to teach. I got to I got to guide, I got to discipline, I got to do all this stuff. And, you know, we do some teaching and some guiding and some disciplining if it's coming from the right place. But the world is going to give each one of us enough lessons. So where we, where I like to err, I, whenever I get stuck, I try my best to err on the side of connection as opposed to discipline. Well, let's even talk about that. You know, we want to lecture and we want to teach and we want to guide. We are doing that by how we live every day. Sure. So there's this belief we have that I am going to teach my child this lesson through a lecture. I am going to force my child to do something or not to do something, and that's going to teach them. They are learning every day by watching how you live your life. That's right. It's and and I'm sorry. I know some people are like, oh, God, Kevy, that gives me a headache. But that's the truth. Mm. I don't want to lie to you and tell you that the big lecture you gave them last night before bed is going to change their life. What alters their life is the, a connection with people they love where they feel, you know, inherently worthy. Mm -hmm. And also by watching how you handle failure, yeah. how not how you handle it in a uh, in contrived way where you're trying to like demonstrate it through, you know, not where it's like not authentic, but like, do you go out and take risks? Do you, are you honest about things you don't want to do and do do? <laughs> Said, do, 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 do. Did you just say three do's in a I row? I said do, do. Um, are you, do you act like yourself? And again, this doesn't mean you have to be different than who you are. Yeah. You just, if you're being yourself and you are honest about the things you like and don't like and you show up for things and you take advantage of things and also say no to things. And also if you just do all those pieces inherently, your children learn to do that for themselves. They don't They don't learn to be you. Mm -hmm. They learn that it's okay to be them. Right. So 
this whole idea that we have to teach every day is kind of silly yeah. because they are learning all the time and and not just by you, by their, you know, the people they're watching on YouTube, by the, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, right? Um, by the the other adults in their life, by their cousins, by their, by their siblings, by their friends. Like it's not a lecture. And so this idea that we need to teach every day through lecture is crazy. So what can we do instead? Support them, connect them. Like I, I one of the things that um, I just wrote down um, is, oh God, I'm trying to remember where it was from and maybe it'll come to me as I talk about it. But, you know, I said to, uh, you know, as my daughter was leaving the other day and some things were going on with her and she was kind of worried about something. And, and as she went out, I said, well, I'll tell you something, I'm your biggest fan. So whatever happens, you know, I got you kind of thing. And as I closed was the door, the, uh, was it the solo on Saturday morning? Maybe it was, oh, but I matter. really, I didn't say that. That came out very naturally. Like I am her biggest they fan. They weren't vacant words. No, like, and when I say that, I don't see my kids as anything different than any other human. They're flawed. Sometimes they don't make great choices. Sometimes they don't take risks. Sometimes, all, you know, they're human beings, but they also have these great skill sets and these, these native geniuses. And they're just such cool people to me. They're my children. So I think they're great. And so I am their biggest fan. I don't want to be the person who lectures them. I don't want to be the person who tells them why the world is hard. I don't want to be the person who is like making them feel bad. So they learn about, I want to be their biggest fan. Yes. I also went in yesterday and gave my daughter kind of an earful because she keeps moving my shampoo out of my my <laughs> shower and it drives me crazy. And I did say to her, listen, I've asked you four times, please don't take my shampoo out. And if you do, put it back. And if you can't do that, then my shampoo is off limits. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure how to have this conversation with you because you keep doing this. And I feel like it's a respect issue between you and I because you're not hearing me or you don't think I'm serious. I said, so how can we have this conversation? And she was like, mm. and I said, why don't you just take a shower in my shower from now on so it doesn't move? So last night. She did. She did. So why I gave that dumb example is because it doesn't mean that our kids are in charge of things. Todd and I still have a lot of things that we're like, we have expectation of you. But I also know that my kids know, I think the world of them, but I also have expectation of you. Well, and you know, and they are going to screw up. Of course. Just like us adults do quite often. Their whole lives. It's funny. You said, you know, we want, you know, maybe we'll title this podcast, be your kid's best cheerleader or something like that. It reminded me of that scene from say anything Diane Cord is talking to some of her girlfriends, I think. I think I'd say anything. Yeah. And she's like, um, I just come home crying. That way my dad won't, won't mess with won't me, talk won't talk with to me. me. Yeah. Um, and I think the idea is because if there's underage drinking, if she's crying, then she won't be, you know, there won't be an inquisition from her she dad. She can just run in and run up the stairs. Which is kind of like an insane thing. Like right. you would hope that if your teenage daughter comes home crying, that that is an excuse to move towards them. Right. As opposed, but you could just see like there's dads out there that'd be like, I don't know how to deal with this. So I'm just going to let her go to bed. Yes. Um, I want to switch, not switch, but uh, talk a little bit about um, being a kid these days versus being a kid back in the 70s and 80s. Great. And I, before you do that, I want to say I just figured out where it came from. Uh, Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. Mm. There was one there was so many parts of her book that I loved, but when she talked about her daughters, there was this message of toward her daughters that is, I think highly of you. Yeah, I think highly of you, not because just because you're my offspring and you know you have my last name, but because I have known you since you were little. I have watched you. I have seen your inherent goodness. I know. I think highly of you. That's how I feel of my. My children, first and foremost, but also the kids I work with, my niece, my nieces, my nephew, like I think highly of these kids. And that doesn't mean they don't make mistakes. This is, We have this thing where like if they make a mistake, then somehow we don't think highly of them anymore. Mm. Like, how do you do that to yourself? Well, people well, do. And that's the thing. You know? Like usually if you are judging your kids, it's usually there. And this is something I'm still kind of trying to figure out, but usually whenever I judge my kid or somebody on the street, there's a piece of me in, in that, that. Judgment. I'm projecting Correct. that, but it's safer to project it outwards Correct. as opposed to own that ugly part of yourself. And when right. I say ugly, I think you know what I mean. Like shadow. 
yeah, like a shadowy, repressed part of yourself. But it's easier to project that out to your kids or to your spouse or to your boss or to your employee. My work is to try to figure out when I find myself in that place where I'm judging somebody really badly to look inward. And sometimes I'm good at it and sometimes I'm lost in it. I don't even know I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. But it's to figure out what is that piece of me that I'm pushing down. Exactly. And that's where... That's the heavy lifting. It is. And that in in why we are judging our children in a different way than we judge other people. Like for one more example is a lot of times we say the best teachers are the teachers that have high expectation of our kids and also treat our kids kindly and also see our kids as full human beings and see their potential. We're asking that of teachers. But then as parents, sometimes we're putting down our kids all the time, thinking that's going to change their behavior. It's almost like pick the top five qualities you want for your kid's teacher. Yeah. And then be- And then live it. And then be those qualities. So good. That is so good. Because who do you want your kids to go? And so, Todd, this goes back to this belief system that as the parent, it's our job to demonstrate to our kids what a tough world it is. And that's something that at least something we believe very strongly is that they're going to have a tough world. There are going to be people out there that don't treat them well, say mean things to them, strangers, best friends who blow them off, um, jobs they don't get, schools they don't get into. Yeah, they're going to get their ass kicked with or without us, right? Mm. So why not be the person who says, I think highly of you, that when you don't get into that college or when you don't pass that test, you say, you know what, you didn't, and there's things you have to do, and I can support you in any way that you want, but I know that if you want something, it is of you. Here's a great litmus test. Yeah. So this is, so if you're agreeing with some of the stuff Kathy and I are sharing right now, this is a good way to see if you're practicing what what you hope are doing. When your kid walks in the room, do you smile? Right. Or do you judge? Or do you say, pick up that coat? You know what I mean? Toni Morrison. Yes. Do your eyes, do your eyes light up when they walk in the room? Right. And that's a good way. And believe me, sometimes it's not an easy thing to no. do because your kids are really good at triggering some part of you. Or your, we're lost in our own or mind. Or we're lost in our own mind. Or your kids are really good at just... Being, you know, sometimes they don't take enough risks, so they're not failing and not learning. And then sometimes they're taking way too reckless risks. Right. Like these, this is tricky. So anyway, so I want to talk about being a kid in a second. I do want to talk about our partner, Impact Baseline Test, and uh, their website is BaselineTesting.com. The five myths. I'm not going to quiz you this week, oh, sweetie. because I'm not up for a test. Here are the five myths about uh, concussions. Sports injuries are the main cause of concussions. That's not true. You always lose consciousness when you get a concussion. You should never sleep after a concussion. These are all myths. You must rest in a dark room to recover from a concussion. And finally, it takes months to recover from a concussion. Uh, those are all myths. We actually have a laminated handout we're going to give to everybody at the conference in their swag bag. And there's going to be a promo code explaining more about baseline testing. Okay. Uh, if you're interested in doing that, uh, click on the link in the show notes and uh, put in Zen 25, and it brings the cost to do your baseline test from 20 down to 15. So go to uh, baselinetesting.com. And thank you to all our friends over at Impact Baseline Test. So when we're talking, to finish this conversation up, um, we're talking a little bit about um, being a kid. And uh, there's a part of me is like being a kid was no easier or harder in the 1970s versus 2019. But there's a part of me, like things are different. They're different. Maybe it's not harder, but my goodness, I feel like as a society, we have kind of moved in the direction of it's easier to get lost. And I'm talking about the cell phone. Yes, yes. The cell phone is an anxiety-provoking device that we never had to deal with. And I just wanted to, because there's a lot, you know, anxiety, like, I don't know, you're smarter than I am on this front, sweetie, but is it fair to say that more kids are diagnosed with anxiety disorders now versus 1982? Oh, I I would say I can only speak from my own personal experience, but that is what I talk to kids about all the time. So that's, that's real. And so it's just another reason why we need to be our kids' cheerleader because the cell phone and friendships and YouTube and, you know, you can get porn on your phone. I'm thinking of young men these days. Like it's so much harder to be a healthy human being. And it's a, 
it's that much more important that we stay connected with these young people. And Todd used the word cheerleader. And I know exactly what he means. He's saying what I said, which is, you know, I think highly of you and I've got yes. your back. But if for that language, if that doesn't sit with you, if you're like, oh, but my, that's not my job is to be their cheerleader, then how about their support system and their connection yeah. to the earth? You know, like when I say the earth, I mean to a, a grounding agent, a sense of, you know, someone's here, you know, because this is what I know, everybody. This is what I can say as someone who's worked with people in crisis my whole life. A lot of things matter until something goes seriously wrong with your kid. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you wake up and go, oh my God, nothing else matters but this child's emotional well-being. Yeah. But when they're doing what you perceive to be as okay, and I'm putting that in quotes, you push them and you push them and you tell them why they're doing it wrong and you yell at them and you tell them their shoes are in the way and you act as if they're the biggest pain in the butt ever. And then when something happens, you all of a sudden say nothing else matters but their emotional well-being. So why don't we instead start there? Mm -hmm. Why don't we start there instead of kick their butt and then, and when I'm saying not, not literally, I'm not talking physically, but like with our words and with our actions and with our discomfort with them and with our anxiety, you know, instead of doing that, let's start with nothing else matters to me but your emotional well-being and then grow from there. And you're going to have bad days. You're going to have days where that doesn't show at all because you're tired. Like last night, I'm sorry, I'm just using very current examples. Like I was with the girls all day. You know, we went to Chicago, everything drove home. Then we had a big Oscars party because you have to have a big Oscars party with tacos. You won, sweetie. I did. And so, you know, I'd been with people all day and I was ready for everybody to go away, go to bed. And then my children kept coming in my bathroom and turning on the lights. And I'm like, oh my gosh, go away. Like, so is that really super supportive? No. So it's not as if we have... You know, and, and it's not as if we don't say you do have to get your homework done or, you know, the boundary is that you have to make a choice here. It's not about allowing them. Again, don't go into the false dichotomy of you're either permissive or authoritative. It's that middle place where your grounding agent is. I want my kids to know that I have their back and that they belong in this world. And if that's your grounding agent, then think about how many different conversations can come from that and how when they say something like, I don't feel like I belong in soccer anymore, I feel like something else is calling to me, and they may not use those exact words, but something similar, and instead of saying, you're quitting your team, you know, you're, you know, you're a quitter, blah, 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 you actually say, okay, I trust that. Mm -hmm. I trust that. You know, I'm excited to see what comes next for you. I believe in you, rather than... What will the town think that you quit this team? Yeah. You know, that's that's not coming from a place of our child's. And, and again, a lot of people don't trust then that they're, they say, well, then my child won't do anything. Yeah. And again, I can only it's say- a, it, Parenting is a slow play. It is. Because we have a child who did, um, you know, was not heavy into extracurriculars. And then all of a sudden- Once she found what she once loved. Once she found what she looked for, she she's- fully in. Intrinsically motivated, sometimes to our detriment. Yeah, because... sometimes I'm like, do I really need to drive you <laughs> to this practice again? <laughs> Me too. Um, so it's, if you're going to parent, if we are going to parent from uh, immediate gratification thing, yeah. forget it. Mm -hmm. You're going to lose. Mm -hmm. You got to trust that it's a, and we had to wait, I had, not we, I had to wait years for, um, and it, and it may never have, have come. But like I said, I my childhood baggage is you need to stay active in extracurriculars all the time because that's what keeps you on the right path and you make good friends and you stay off drugs and all. This is all of my childhood baggage coming up. And I, early in our parenting careers, I was like, this is what, this is going to be our our technique. And you're like, no, it's not. And we, we talked about it like, no, this is all of your stuff, Todd. Well, and let's stop there for a second before you move on to the next level. You were like, you have to be in extracurriculars. You can't come home at three. You're lazy if you come home at three. And so I said, let's take a deep dive into that belief system. Yeah. And what that really was, if I speak for you for a second, is you didn't want to go home because your parents were fighting. Right. So you didn't feel like you had a safe home. Yeah. So you got the hell out of your house all the time. And then you turned that into, this is what all kids need right. to do because I'm doing it. Yeah. Now, it doesn't make it wrong if a kid likes to be active every day after school right. you didn't do anything wrong right. but this is the deep dive that Todd and I were talking about at the beginning is why do you not what do you believe but why do you believe always what you about believe? the why and then is that coming from the healthiest place and if you and if you can get the why then 
that regardless of what you say to your kid, it's going to come out the Much right better. way. Exactly. So for this, uh, for our team's end member, like as long as she gets centered yes. on what her old, her baggage is or what her projections are, or she's parenting from a place of 10 years down the road instead of the present moment, as long as you're in the center place, you cannot make the wrong decision. And that's why we were saying is if she, if her son ends up going to the smaller school and the one that they want and what she's able to share with him is authentic and about his best interest and about honesty, then like Todd said, it's going to be fine. This isn't about let him go to the school he wants, the black or white choice, um, you know, that that there is a right and there's a wrong and one is going to screw him up and one isn't. It's not that. Wherever this kid goes, I believe he's going to be fine. Yeah. Because it's not really about the school. Yeah. You know, like it's really about the support he has and the belief system he has about himself and everything. So to if if our team Zen member is listening to this, he's gonna be fine in either place. Right. So you don't have to be afraid. But when you are telling him about what is gonna happen, because I think the decision has already been made, be honest. Yeah. Don't try and convince him from a place of inauthenticity. Yeah. Say your father and I have talked about that. And you know. There's also this place where sometimes it'll be like, well, my kid wants to go to the dance academy in New York. <laughs> no. Sorry. We don't live there. We don't have the money. That's not going to work. I'm not saying our kid gets whatever they want either. Like my girls love the story about Taylor Swift and about how she wanted to make music. So her whole family moved to Nashville. And they're like, isn't that great? I'm like, I guess. But that's if you want to go to Nashville, that's not something we're going to do. You yeah. know what I mean? Like. There, this is, there are some boundaries around these things. There's some, and, but those boundaries are a real place. Like that's not something we can do. Sweetie, uh, trivia about T-Swizzle. Yeah, let's hear it. How old was she when she learned to play the guitar? 15? I think she was 12. 12, okay. Which, she had it for a few years before she picked it up. Right, and, uh, you know, so Taylor Swift's parents didn't say, you have this guitar, you must start playing no. it. It sat there in the corner of a room for years. And then she wrote a song when she was 12 years old, and right. then the rest is history. But. Well, our oldest, our daughter, she started guitar lessons with our friend Jer, who lived down the street when she was like, what, seven, mm -hmm. eight? And then all of a sudden this year, she's like, I want to do that again. Yeah. It came back up into her yeah, life. Just let it come back. And that's then we're not saying, get ready, you have to go to guitar. It's not our thing. It's their thing. Yeah. And and this is, and again, sometimes we're so lost in being parents of children that we forget we're raising adults. So what kind of adult are we trying to raise? Someone who can think for themselves, someone who is intrinsically motivated, someone who is honest about how they feel, somebody, somebody who knows how to connect to people. Like we forget, we get so lost in the parenting kid world, which is really just societally tells you have control, mm -hmm. you know? which isn't great. And then we forget that we're trying to raise adults who are kind, authentic, um, you know, grounded, uh, human, meaning they make mistakes and they have flaws, people. Yeah. Can they accept all those pieces of themselves? Because that's the key too. Because if you're raising, raising a child who believes they do everything right, that's a problem too. Because at some point, then something's gonna go some wrong. some type of perfectionism uh, baggage. Which is insecurity. Yeah. Perfectionism is like the heaviest form of insecurity, which is I can't even show you that I have flaws or else you won't love me. Right. It's weird because you're like, oh, I want my kids to do well in everything they're doing. But if they happen to be one of those, it's funny, I'm going to say unlucky people that are really good at what they do from like kindergarten through high school. And then all of a sudden they get to college realizing that there's some really smart kids yeah. at this school. I'm like, oh my God, I thought I was the smartest kid and now I feel dumb. And that's when their um, focus can turn inward in a negative way. Well, because they believe that everything they feel about themselves is external. Yeah. They're like, if I get this award, if I am the captain, if I win state, then that's what makes me valuable. When really what makes them valuable is just who being who they are. Yeah. They don't need any of the outside world to tell them that they're great. That's just icing. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that they don't want it either because we're human beings and sometimes you want to win. Ask Todd. He loves to win. I do. And you know, I love to win that. Oscars game. You uh, beat me by, I think, five questions. I only beat your sister by one. There's 22 categories. You Did you win with 14? Uh, no, no. I ended up with uh, 17. Oh, my gosh. No, 16? I don't think it was that high. I, I, thought, th I thought it was like 14 to 13. 
Maybe, maybe you're right. I just feel like when you counted up at one time, there were still three awards to give. And, okay. Or maybe I didn't get the last three. Maybe that's no, why. No, you didn't. That's right. I didn't get... But didn't I get Best Actor? I got Best Actor. I didn't get Best Actress. Can't talk about it still. <laughs> um, and then I didn't get Green Book. No. Best Picture. So you're right. I may have just gotten 14. Um, we have some conference partners that I want to talk about. David Serrano, he works for Edward Jones. He's our personal financial advisor, and he should be yours too because he's a trustworthy guy. And then for me, that's one of the most important traits. His cell phone number is 815-370-3780. If you're interested in chatting with David, um, just give him a call. Tell them Todd and Kathy sent you. Yeah. And then the other is Threads Worldwide. You know what they do, sweetie? They create life-changing work with women around the world through fair trade of artesian jewelry. Oh, my gosh. Their jewelry is beautiful. I still have jewelry from last year that I wear, and there's jewelry coming to me right now from Threads. And they're going to be there at, with a tabletop. And you can, gonna... like, buy the jewelry there. In over 14 countries, Threads partners with artisans to provide dignified jobs that empower women to thrive, not just survive. Many of the women who make our jewelry and accessories are survivors of sex trafficking, have special needs, or are facing social, economic, or political hardships. So this jewelry you're buying is yes. not just about wearing beautiful jewelry. It's about supporting women who yes. are doing it themselves and who have maybe histories that are more challenging that you could, than you could even imagine. Yes. And here they are with a job, and we can support them by buying their beautiful jewelry. Um, and then we do have two Zen friends I want to talk about. Okay. Um, Amy Kelly and Meredith Ellison, uh, they made significant donations to the Zen Friends Scholarship Fund. So thank you to those amazing friends of ours. And just, I just want you to know that this we've probably given away more tickets to this conference than we have to any other. So you people who are Zen Friends, you made a huge difference because it's so interesting to get the letters we get or the emails because everyone's like, I'm sure this is a long shot mm -hmm. that I can come to the conference, but I lost my job or I just got divorced or... Uh, one woman was a preschool teacher. One woman was a military wife. Like there's so many stories of people who want to come and the cost of the conference is too much. Yeah. And so you, everybody who donates money to Zen Friend, it's going to some wonderful people. Um, and then Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald head of beauty. He's been our partner since day one. Avid company painting and remodeling throughout Chicagoland area. The website is avidco.net. And uh, if you haven't gotten your tickets to the conference, you know, no better time than the present. Right, sweetie? Oh, it's going to be so good. Yeah, we this is are, like warm, fuzzy time where it's just fun. We are less than two weeks away. So um, look out for that video podcast that we're going to drop later in the week. I said drop. You did. Todd's starting to use music industry language. I want to be cool, sweetie. We're going to drop our podcast. Uh, keep trucking, everybody. Love you all. Have a good week. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember to subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. If you want more Zen parenting, check out Team Zen. It's 25 bucks a month where you'll get two live Zen talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions. If you can't join us live, don't worry. You can still access all Zen talks through the Team Zen podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page and get discounts on everything that we offer. Get your tickets for our annual Zen parenting conference on March 8th and 9th, 2019. Sweet. Get your brave on with Glennon Doyle, Abby Wambeck, Julie Lithcott-Hames, and Devorah Heitner, and enjoy a weekend in a warm and friendly environment of like-minded people. Tickets are available at zenparentingradio.com. Sweetie, it's going to be off the hook. I know. Um, interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events, or you can purchase one of my three books. They're not your three books. Well, your three books. Thank you. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Um, guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? Good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, FaceTime. You choose. If you're in Chicago, contact me about the tribe. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. And don't forget about our 2019 Unplug, Connect, and Transform retreat. More, more on that later. Special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft, from Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support, Jeremy. Sweetie, he's a bald head of beauty. I know this. All right, everybody, keep trucking. See you next week. Adios.